Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's What's your weird story? story? Hello, Weirdsville! It's time once again for the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Your weekly podcast of the true stories, the weird stories, the amazing stories, the almost unbelievable but actually are believable because they really did happen to the people that are here telling us all about stories. Hosted by me, Adam Beebe, and also always hosted by the other person who always hosts it besides me, the smiling sensei, Barry Johnston. Hello, Barry. Hello, sir. How are you, Professor? I am doing well. Thank you very much. You? I'm doing good. I'm tired. We had a long weekend. Yeah, dude, I was going to ask you about this, uh, your weekend, because I know that you had a busy weekend, but I know it was fun for you. It is equal parts fun and grueling and... Everything in between. We had a, a seminar that we hosted um, last weekend in Oklahoma City for for Aikido. So about every three months or so, we try to get together and um, people, you know, fly in from all over the country to train. No matter where we're at, it mm. changes locations every three months. So we'll we'll be in, you know, on the East Coast and then sort of in the Midwest and then we go out to the West and um, it's great. It's, it's an opportunity for everybody to, to train really hard. Um, and there's a lot of testing that happens and, and, and just forming a community kind of much like what we have here. You know, it's like you're meeting mm-hmm. new people, you're training with people that you don't get to see very often or you've never met before. And so you're working with different body types. You're, learning different methods of doing things it's a constant constant um learning and training and learning how to um just be better man just be better and uh yeah it's 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 great and it was my first time to to officially teach as a certified instructor so i'm wow uh, and this uh, so this was the uh the aikido Seminar, and it, this is not the uh, swingers convention. No, this was not the swing. That'll be next month. Uh, no, because okay. I mean, part of what you're describing sounds very much like could have what could have been. Yeah, yeah, know, no, it's working it's, with uh, different body types. And yeah. Different <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. I'm so used to talking in that vernacular that yeah, I guess it could be taken that way. But it's kind of, <laughs> I suppose, in the swinger world, they know what I'm talking about. Also, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. But yeah. It is. I'm learning how to teach, dude, and it's like, it's a whole other way of trying to transmit your martial art, you know. Because up mm-hmm. until this point, I mean, I've tra- I've 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 taught pretty much your entire training from the time you start when you be 
You know, I mean, you may not be doing very much, but like showing, you know, somebody where to put their foot or how to leverage or um, Aikido, not swinging. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's like, uh, but teaching is another, and and teaching a martial art that Aikido is specific and it's very hard. It's Aikido is probably one of the most difficult things you'll ever learn in the martial art world because it's so. It's not punching and kicking something like that's fairly in in the realm of like how to do things like that's fairly like um, easy to do. Right. You punch something, you can see the effect of the punch, you kick something, you see the effect. You know, of course, getting good at it is a different thing to do. So um, this may be the only time you've ever heard somebody talk about it. So um, that probably the easiest term I can use is Aikido is like. It's 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 Brazilian Jiu Jitsu's kissing cousin, but we stand up instead of get on the ground. So um, it's very similar. Okay. There are, yeah. there are similarities, but we don't go to the ground. I don't want to go to the ground. So and it's not a sport. So um, so those are the big differences. But um, proud of my daughter, man. She she uh, she tested for her fourth Q, which would be the like that'd be like a, a orange belt in the karate world. Um, so I'm so proud of her, man. She's really put time and effort in, dude, and like she just keeps showing up, man. And 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 I, yeah, and I never That's pushed awesome, it on dude. her either, man. She just showed up and started training. Mm-hmm. So great, man. We had a great time for all the sweat and the blood that you put out there. Um, we're we 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 work hard and we party hard. So there's a lot of drinking that happens. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. It, I'm it was sure. Good, man. So, yeah. uh, how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good, dude. I uh, I worked, but I also uh, went and uh, took a, a short road trip down to Louisville to hang oh, out with some friends. Dude, and, nice. Uh, yeah, dude. It was fun, man. We uh, we went and. Uh, uh, hit up a couple of flea markets, nice, and uh, just chilled and walked around and bullshitted and uh, you nice. know just like uh, found all sorts of cool random stuff that uh, you know we were like yeah I could I could use that for whatever you know yep. so so yeah it was fun I got to hang out with them and uh, one of them was Bucky who you may remember oh, from yeah. way wow. back way back yeah. way back. And when we oh, first he was started. great, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was hanging out with uh, with, with those two. You know, Lu- and Lu- uh, Louisville, home of Slint, the band Slint. That's right. Well, dude, not only Slint Barry, but also Super Drag. Super Drag, yes. Yeah, a lot of good bands there from Louisville. Yeah, um, and of course the Louisville Sluggers. And uh, I had mentioned in kind of how. Uh, uh, I wanted to go to take the Louisville Slugger uh, tour uh, just to get a little bat, you know. And uh, so they they bought me a little bat. Oh, nice! <laughs> at the, at That's the, great at, for the flea market because they give them out on you oh, go on okay, the tour. Okay. They give them out. Sweet, so man. They're all over Louisville. You know, they're great. fly fly swatters in Louisville. That's great. That's awesome. But, uh, That's great. But man. yeah, the, it was fun. I, you know, it's, I hadn't gotten out. I hadn't really had a day off of work, uh, you know, for one thing, one job or another yeah. since uh, since the beginning of the month. So it was, it was over, overdue. Good. And, uh, Good. Had, had a blast. So. That's great, man. But uh, you know what else uh, I had a blast doing? 
What's that? Talking to today's guest, uh, Mr. Larry Peters. Yeah, man, it, this is a great conversation, man. He, we got him on, and it just he. I didn't know, of course. Yeah, we never know what, he, or I don't really know, because you book most of the guests. What was going to be talked about? And he brought the the Bigfoot, man. He brought the yep. Bigfoot, and he brought some other surprises with him, man. Yes, indeed. Uh, Larry, and he's written a book. It's called Strange Creatures, and uh, you can find it on Amazon. And it's about his experiences uh, with Bigfoot and some of the other things that he is going to discuss here. And he has a uh, – it's his first book. He is uh, a back, has a background as a, uh, a – a private eye and an investigator and an insurance investigator. And, uh, you know, he's had this really colorful, uh, interesting life and career. And, uh, somewhere along the line, he picked up this, uh, you know, this habit of, uh, chasing Bigfoot stories and Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatches themselves. And he's here to, he's going to share some really cool stories, um, with us. So we're very happy to have Larry as a guest. Larry, thank you for joining us. What's your weird story? I have several, but uh, what I'd like to discuss with you today is the Rome, Ohio incident in 1981. Cool. Okay, cool. Uh, I fell into this Bigfoot stuff uh, sort of by accident. I was I did investigations in Wyoming for four years on the cattle mutilations, and I had a conversation with a Willard McIntyre who was in the Bigfoot. And Willard invited me. Now, I've been an an insurance adjuster and a private investigator for years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I didn't bring this out until after I retired for the simple reason I didn't, if I had to go to court and they found out that I was a fanatical Bigfoot, you know, fanatic, then I would have lost my cases time yeah. after time. But sure. I retired two years ago and I'm I'm finished with the back, what's back there. And uh, that was, that prompted me to write this book. But Willard and I got together and there was a situation going on in Rome, Ohio, uh, that he was talking about these large creatures that was going up to um, this farmer's house, and they were up on the roof shooting at these creatures. And I thought to myself, you know, being a private investigator and everything, I said, oh, this is just total bull. But he said, I want you to go out there only as a photographer. He said, I don't want you to get involved in anything, just go out as a photographer. And and I'm gonna and what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some rabbits with cyanide in them and try to bring one of these things down. Mm. So we went out there and from the day I got to Rome, Ohio, it was a spooky, spooky place. I mean, it from the day one it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck, even when I was in the car and we were trying to sleep in the car. Oh, wow. We got there, we got there late at night and at Dennis Pelicci's house. And uh, so then we went down to the farm and, and um, 
they had plowed the field where we were going to put the rabbits. So any footprints or anything would have been left there in the field fresh. And so we, we got the... Um, we got there uh, early in the morning. Uh, we put the, we had uh, two rabbits we put out there on, um, on metal milk cases mm. with a 1,200 pound test parachute line. Okay. The, um, we, we, we left that and we were back in the house and talking and, and chit chatting and stuff like that. And, until it started getting dark. And when it started getting dark, uh, Mickey um, was the farmer. Now, in the in the information that Dennis Pelucic wrote, he changed the name of, uh, of the farmers because he didn't, at that time, he didn't want Mickey Lambert or anybody, any of his family to know that he'd written this thing, so he changed the names. Mm-hmm. But um, I was I was out near my car, and this this place where all this took place that night was on. It's a dirt road. It's called Johnson's Road, and there's a cornfield on the other side of the road. And Mickey's farm was a farmhouse and a barn for the horse and a barn for the chickens. And then he had then he had the big field. So nothing happened, which I was relieved that, you know, this is all a bunch of crap. Yeah. So <laughs> then it started then it started getting dark. And um, they uh, said, okay, it was about I guess around eight or nine o'clock. They started seeing red eyes down at the edge of the woods. And I had my cameras. I had a 35 millimeter and a two by two uh, camera. And I went down there following them. They had high powered rifles. I mean, 308 and a 270 and you know, stuff like a 3030. Mm. Um, and they were doing all this. They got down next to the woods and they started shooting at these red eyes. And I was, I started flashing with my camera. Every time I'd see a set of red eyes, I'd flash at it. And um, it, that went on for probably two hours. Wow. Now, when, they, when the shots rang out, you could hear them splatting on a tree. But they were shooting these eyes right directly and in, in, right into these eyes with the high-powered rifles, and there wasn't a sound or anything. So along about after two hours or so, they were up in the woods behind these red eyes. There was a, a whistle, some kind of a whistle blew, and all these things disappeared. They, they were gone. So we went back up to the house, and we had been up to the house probably for, I don't know, maybe one, one, two o'clock, 
and uh, they they saw the eyes again down there, and they went. They, the boys went back down with the rifles, and they were shooting again. And I didn't. I didn't go back down because I had something told me in the back of my head. They said you've taken something we didn't want you to have. And at that point, I went to my car. I locked the doors. I took the film out of the cameras and stuffed them in my pocket. I stayed there probably for 30 minutes or so. And um, so they come back up, the, the four guys. Willard wasn't doing any shooting, though. He was, he was just, uh, just watching, and the other mm-hmm. three guys that had been up on the roof the nights, many nights before shooting were the ones actually doing the shooting. So this, they come back up, everybody had coffee and everything. And uh, so I, I, it was so nerve wracking to me because I just could not conceive what had just happened. Yeah. Right. I mean, to see, I mean, when you see red eyes uh, and they're moving around up and down, they're two feet off the ground. The next second, you know, they're, uh, 18 feet off the ground, up in the top of a tree. Wow! Uh, then they're then they're moving from left to right or right to left, and just like that, all that stuff. I mean, Ow. it's just it's enough to you know drive you nuts. Yeah. yeah. How many how many uh, sets of eyes do you think you, that you saw? At one time, there was probably three or four. Wow. Wow. Now, they didn't growl or they didn't come out. They didn't turn into a Bigfoot or anything like that. They were simply the eyes, and that's all there was. So I was up there. I took the film out. I didn't put any more film in the camera. And they come up and started drinking some coffee and stuff like that. And uh, they, they said, okay, we're going to go back down. I said, well, give me a gun. So they gave me a 410. Yeah. Think of shot. Yeah. I went down, I went back down and I I took one shot at one set of eyes and I said, I'm out of here. And I went back to my car and I locked myself in again. But you know, I I was in the army uh for seven and a half years and I I saw as an MP and as a, a guard to a general, I saw a lot of stuff. Sure. But it wasn't anything like this. I mean, I, I said, I, I told Willard, Willard and, uh, and, uh, and the boys there, I said, who in the hell is going to believe this if it ever gets out? Yeah. Right. Willard said, well, there's a general in a helicopter sitting up there about five miles. He said, if we can get one on the ground, they're going to move in with the Army and take it. I never saw the helicopter, never saw the Army. But uh, so we went back down, back down to the corner, sort of where the where the creek is. And the eyes were bopping around again. I took one shot with a 410. I headed back to my car, and that was the end of it. Well, they were shooting for a while, and then they come back to the house. So Mickey and his wife 
started up Johnson Road up to the edge of the woods. And I told him, I said, um, you have another you have another gun? He said, yeah, here's a single barrel 12 gauge with double odd buck in it. So I carried that and I was following along behind them as we got up to the edge of the woods, to, uh, the edge of the field with the at the at the road and the field and the woods all come together. Mm-hmm. I was standing there, and Mickey and his wife were all I don't know 30, 40, 50 feet ahead of me, and there was some noise over in the in the cornfield, but I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. But I was standing there, and I heard the noise, and I turned toward the cornfield. Then it's there's. What you have to realize, it's dead quiet. There's no birds, there's no bugs, there's no noise. Everything is dead quiet. So I was standing facing the cornfield, and I turned around, and there was a little opening in the brush. And I'm talking about some heavy brush. And there was a set of red eyes as big as golf balls, less than 15 feet from it, because I was standing right in the middle of the road. Dang. So, I, I, I cocked the gun, I pointed right in the middle of the eyes, and I said, God, if you're going to get me, let him take me now. <laughs> and I pulled the trigger. And that 12-gauge boom went off, and it went right in to nothing. There was nothing there. Wow. I, 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 I jacked the shot out, and Mickey and them so yelled at me and said, what did you see, what did you see? And I said, right there, his eyes right there. I turned around, and I ran to my car. I scared the hell out of me because I had never experienced anything like this in my life. And I got in the car and I stayed there uh, until we decided to go back to Dennis's house, uh, which is like a couple miles away, and to go to bed for a while. Now, the, the rabbits were still out there in the field the last time we looked. Mm-hmm. But then after everything settled down, I guess we come back the next morning and there was one rabbit left and there was one rabbit missing. Mm-hmm. Now, the 1,200-pound test parachute line that this rabbit was tied to. Something had taken in the middle of the of the cord, not on the rabbit, but in the middle of the cord, and just pulled it apart. Wow, snapped it. Wow. Now to confirm this, Dennis got the Dennis took the uh, the parachute cord to the state police lab close by where he knew somebody. And they tested the thing and said it, it wasn't cut, it, it exploded. The 1,200-pound the, uh, test 
exploded. But the rabbit was gone, and the, and the cart the cart was still there. And you'll see Willard McIntyre set on, in the book. You'll see him setting on the milk crate, holding up two rabbits. That was actually taken before we mm. took the rabbits out. Uh, <clears throat> so after that, we we started looking around. And I said, I want to go back up where I saw this thing. So uh, Mickey and Willard and I and uh, Dennis, all four of us, went up there. And you go inside the brush, and there was like a 60-foot diameter uh, area where all the vegetation had been cut down to the size of your little finger all around the thing. Mm. It was all smooth out. And so we decided uh, we were down there counting things and measuring and things like that. <coughs> and uh, Dennis and uh, Mickey had moved out. They were they were going up further, and there's all photographs of all this stuff that went on. But Willard and I was down on our knees down there examining this stuff, and all this time there's no birds, no no bees, mm -hmm. no noise. It's all just dead silent. So Willard and I was down there on our knees, and there was something. We heard something coming through the brush. And it was coming like a bull through the brush. No noise, just breaking brush. Now, this you're talking about thorns and, and stuff that a human couldn't get through. Yeah. Mm. And Wilbur, or Wilbur, Willard said, uh, I'm out of here, Larry. Are you on the left or on the right? And I said, on the left, and I'm out of here. And we both dived through this little hole to get back out on the road. But nothing came any further. They didn't come to the circle. Hmm. Or nothing. It all stopped. Then everything went dead again. Damn. So, do, you think that, do you think that circle is like a nest area? Like that's where they kind of like maybe hunkered down or something? Since they yeah, like we call it a powwow area. Yeah, yeah the, the, the secret is, you know, there's been so many sightings of of these things along roads. If people would just take the time, just like these doodads out there running around in the woods, hollering and, and bellering at them and all this stuff. If somebody saw one go across the highway, for instance, if you stop there and go in 10 feet, I'll bet you'll find a circle. Mm. Because they have a tendency to hang out and watch cars, watch cars go by. They they do it all the time, huh. and uh, and that's why they catch them when they're running across the road, type thing. They they don't know, they don't understand who we are, or what we are, about cars and houses. They don't go into houses. Mm. They don't go into cars. Uh, we were in a tent in Patasco State Park, 
and one came up and watched TV in the back of the tent for a while, and they don't touch tents. They don't. They don't touch anything. Uh, they're just very, very curious. Mm -hmm. But uh, we never did find the rabbit in the woods that uh, that was taken away. So before we left on, I think it was Sunday. Uh, before we left. Uh, we found footprints all over around the, where the rabbits had been. And I photographed all of those, and they're in the book. But we went back to the, what we called the powwow area, and we hung the other rabbit with cyanide in it up in the tree so nobody could touch it uh, as far as an animal or fox or nothing. It was in such a place that nobody could touch it. And then we left it there. So we went we went home and um, we got I got back to Baltimore and I think Willard he was staying at my place probably uh, for two or three weeks till I had to get him out. <laughs> but he was driving me crazy because I was trying to work at that point and he was still in he was still doing his thing. <clears throat> but we we sat around and about two weeks later we said, okay, we gotta let's take another trip out to Rome, just check things out. So we went back out there and uh, we got there in daylight and, and and we left. We didn't stay overnight out there. And uh, we went back to the powwow area. And the rabbit, we had hung a rabbit, the rabbit up, but when we looked at it, and I really kicked my butt for not doing it, but I didn't take any pictures of it after the, afterward, because something had just taken, like, a knife and just sliced that rabbit up, didn't knock it off, the, didn't, didn't get it off the, the cord, it just sliced it up. Hmm. Wow. Wow. The powwow area was dead. There was insects. There was birds chirping. Mm. Uh, it's like they 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 didn't hang around there. Yeah. After that. They were gone. And uh, Mickey and them had settled down, and they hadn't seen any more uh, anything going on. So we just got in the car and and headed on back to Baltimore. So. When you have that, um, when you're out in the woods and uh, you notice that there are, you're not hearing the sounds of insects or birds or, or nature, uh, then you know that, you know, that usually means that there's like uh, an apex predator uh, around you. The top, and, you know, whatever the top of the food chain is, and it's not you, it's out there. Right. <laughs> and, you know, these people, I've watched so much video of people that have had incidents in the woods. Uh, and there's a couple of valid, uh, one one lady had some uh, uh, three or four um, sets of eyes up in a tree. Mm. Uh, I, she'd stopped along the road or something, and, and she she had actually photographed these things. And that was the closest to the real thing, and I've got those. I've got those now, 
and I'm studying those to try to find, see if I can get anything behind it. Mm. Now, when you look in the book, on the camera lens, you'll see an orange dot throughout the pictures. Mm -hmm. Now, the, all the pictures were made with a 400, ASA 400 Kodak film. Something attached itself to my lens. And I did not realize it had done this until just when I was working on the book and after I, after I'd already sent the book in. Yeah. You see the you see the orange dot? Yeah, I sure do. That is I have got I blew that up. I blew that all the way up to the point that I have a face. And I got your email address. I'll send that out to you and yes, let you please. It, let you see it. And uh, the book the book that um that Larry's talking about is his book. It's called Strange Creatures, and uh, he sent us a copy to to look at and to review after uh, after we, of course, talk to him because we want to get the as the, the we want to be his story to be fresh to our ears and when we were first having that initial reaction and then we, we'll, uh, did the did the did your picture of the your pictures that you took of the eyes and stuff, is that what you're talking about? The, uh, did, 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 did those come out? Did, did you get any of those? Yeah. What happened was uh, with my two and a quarter by two and a quarter camera, I had, I had negatives that Dennis sent to a lab up in Minnesota. Uh-huh. Uh, and they processed the pictures directly off the film and said that there was no physical being behind the light. Dennis kept those negatives okay. because he had this little snide thing. He said, anything that happens in Ohio stays in Ohio. Right. <laughs> and, he, and he wouldn't send me back my negatives. Gotcha. And then he died. Okay. Mm. Out of the 15 people that was out there experiencing this thing in Rome, Ohio, I'm the only one surviving now, and I'm 81 years old. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. That's amazing. So, so do you know how did this continue to occur after you guys did your initial investigations and then went out and went back out there like – did they continue following up and seeing if they could find anything else out, or did it just kind of fizzle out after that? They just, they just, they didn't. As long as they weren't being bothered, they they didn't do anything. Okay. In fact, I think uh, they weren't on that uh, farm very long before making them. Just, I think they moved back in the city. Okay. Uh, they were all. I mean, everybody was shook up. I mean, to the point that. Mickey's uh, oldest kid, what well, he went nuts. Oh I mean, wow! He actually, he actually he, he actually went off. Interesting. And we to get him out of there uh, while the while the heavy stuff was going on. Wow! Dang. 
so you know you you alluded to you you you'd you'd done some other types of research and is that something that you've done your whole life have you have you studied bigfoot or or, or? well well i've been a civil and criminal investigator since 1961 okay wow that includes seven and a half years in the army i was in the military police i was in the cid and then I became a bodyguard to a general officer mm. oh, until wow. I got discharged seven and a half years. And then I got into insurance claims. I've been in insurance claims, still am, but don't do anything. And and then I got the PI thing, and it was the most it was more profitable than the insurance. Okay. But I was doing both, and um, everything you know everything was fine. Uh, but uh, I didn't. I did the cattle mutilations in Wyoming. Okay. Uh, yeah, tell us. I was, that's what, I was, what my next question was going to be about. If you could tell us about that, because we've not had anybody uh, discuss the cattle, mu- cattle, any kind of cattle mutilations, really. Well, I was an insurance adjuster in Rock Springs, Wyoming, and a little small town. Things get really boring. Mm-hmm. You get drunk every night, or or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> I started watching the newspaper, and uh, these cattle started showing up around 70, 76, I guess, seventy seven. And so um, it really bothered me. I said, God, what the hell's going on? My curiosity, I. I contacted a couple, I contacted the sheriff's department, I knew those guys, and they started telling these ranchers, when the rancher would call the police and say, I found another one of my cows killed, they would say, well, call Larry Peters and let him come out and take a look at it. So I got, in, in two years there, I was running all over Wyoming, um, to examine these cows. Now, the to cut this thing short, there were helicopters. There were black helicopters, unmarked black helicopters. Mm. Ranchers saw them. Police saw them. They couldn't catch them. Wow. These cows were killed. Without a shotgun, they were killed with a small infrasound about the size of a shotgun shell. And one of the, the, the gray cow in the book has a hole under the horn where they shot it. They would pick the cow up by the helicopter, take it to another field where it's out of the way. They would do the, uh, uh, the jaw, the udder, the rectum, um, stuff like that, some of them in the stomach. And then they would pick them back up again and take them back to the original field and drop them. Now, the way I know that they dropped them, there was one cow we found that that's, there's a picture of it. I, I don't know if I put it in there. I found it did. But there was an old-time plow sitting under a tree. 
Mm-hmm. And they dropped the stupid cow on top of the on top of the plow. Oh wow. <laughs> but when I was going out there and and finding these and inspecting these cows, usually I got out there within two or three days. Uh, and then some of them uh, in more isolated areas, I got out there like two months. And mm. by two months, there wasn't nothing there but a bag of bones. And yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else there. No predator touched those cows. Not one fly on those cows. Oh, really? Wow. Not one maggot on those cows. Dang. There was nothing on those cows. That they just, is... They just, they just deteriorated into nothing. There was no odor on those cows. Wow. There was nothing. That and, really is bizarre. Yeah. So, well, I hooked up with a with a deputy out of Utah, uh, Sandy, and there was a uh, state police trooper uh, doing this in New Mexico, and I, the three of us hooked up, and we were passing along and we're passing information back and forth, and Gabe Valdez down in New Mexico had taken samples and sent them off to a lab. Mm-hmm. And in the book, you will see the results of what was in on the, in the lab that they found, which I didn't know how to analyze it. I just, right. I just put it in the book in case somebody would have that knowledge to do it. So, uh, but... Uh, how were they mutilated? Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, they were, they used, what they did was they used a laser. Okay. To cut cut the the skin away from the jaw and everything. And they had aluminum strips that they put over the teeth. Hmm. And that would, when they were doing the, when they were doing the cutting, that aluminum would melt around the teeth. And I went to a surgeon and I said, look, you know, what? why would they do this? And he said, because it, if the laser would hit the teeth, they would explode. Because oh, they were wow. Driving. And by putting the aluminum on the teeth, it, they, it just melted around the teeth so that they could get in and do their job. Wow. I found a box. What kind? At one scene, I found a little box, like a dumbass. I did not photograph that box. I didn't examine that damn box. I carried that box in my pocket. One day, well, Sandy and I were out one night. Uh, We were going off to this fresh mutilation. And we had been followed. We We had our guns. And we went in a motel room, and we were in there, and somebody was walking around outside our vehicle. Oh. We could see him. Couldn't photograph it because it was just too, it was too dark out. You'd see little shadows. So 
we went on to the mutilation that that day and checked that one. And uh, about a week later, I was at I was at my home in Green River, Wyoming, in my apartment, and I just happened to have my gun in my belt. Mm-hmm. The door not the door knock on the door, and the boy came in there. He was about forty five years old, little short fellow, about five foot seven. He looked at me and he said, uh, we know what you're doing. And if you put any of this in print, you will disappear. Oh, wow. Damn. So I knew at that point for sure that it was our own government. Yeah. Wow. How, <clears throat> how was this, this guy dressed? Was he like in military fatigues? He in a country shirt, but he had a... He had it. He had his pistol on his side. Oh wow! I took his tag number down off his car when he backed out, and I tracked him back to an institution in New Jersey. Wow! Dang! And I never took it any farther because it just at that point I wasn't really interested in, in writing any books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Or doing anything, you know. And uh, it was shortly after that in 78 that I came back to to uh, Maryland. I bought a company out there, but I I uh, it was just it was too much and I said to hell with it. I'm I'm going home. Yeah. So I, I came back. Um, but um, uh, Gabe Valdez has since passed away. Sandy passed away. Because uh, we were all about the same age, mm. and uh, I don't know why God's kept me around, but the we know that they they used the um, the mutilations to measure the viruses off the jet stream. Hmm. What they would do, they would release a virus, not a human virus, but a virus that cows like hoof and mouth disease or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And they release it a certain place in the jet stream and then see how far it went. Then they would mutilate cows in that particular area. And they had them, they were doing them all over the all over the ever place, even in West Virginia and Virginia. Yep. They were following the jet stream to see what they could do. Wow. That's wild. That is and fascinating. I, I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, if you're going to yeah. test out some kind of uh, viral, uh, you know, kind of weapon, you know, weaponized, you know, viruses or whatever, that would be a way to do it. And we know that in the past, um, government agencies have like, uh, you know, they've like dosed uh, and gassed cities, um, small cities where they to find out how people react, and, yeah. you know, to like being, you know, dosed with uh, like hallucinogens or something kind of, you know, in that nature. Yeah. Well, look at our pandemic that we just went through. Mm. Look at the fact that the Chinese, the, the, the virus came from the Chinese lab. Mm. Yep. Now, 
look at the fact that the Chinese had balloons that could that could manipulate the balloon wherever it wanted to go. Mm. And high enough, we wouldn't we didn't need we would no God knows how many they put over us, but it would be the perfect place to place the virus in the balloon. Yeah. With the jet stream and let it drop where they wanted it. Yeah. Yep. Even yep. on their own people. Absolutely. Yep. Now, did you notice that a whole lot of down in South America, there wasn't a whole lot going on yeah. down there with with the virus? And there was a lot of places that didn't have it. 2015, at the Wuhan lab, there was a photograph I have of three people standing there looking at some germs. You know who they are? Who? Obama. Mm-hmm. Gates, Melinda Gates, and uh, that little doctor, I call him Dr. Death. Fauci. <laughs> Fauci. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, if you look at the, if you follow the money, George Soros is bankrolling Obama. Obama is running Biden. Obama's people are running Biden. When you look at the girl, the woman, now what, you would say, what on earth would she be doing out there like that? She is the needle and virus person that made billions of dollars by providing the needles and the, and the vaccines. She, she is into all these drug companies and everything. Yeah. And yeah. that, that, this, it's all a, it's all a big money thing. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, they, our own government was. Uh, and I can say it because I'm 81. And right. Coming <laughs> me, he ain't gonna bother me at all. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we were funding a lot of that research, so it's it's very it, it's the world's a messy place. So I mean, yeah, for sure, it's just so. But as I tell you this, then you'll when I'm gone and you're younger, you'll be able to see it. Yeah. So yeah. Sooner or later, it's all going to come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we we uh, that's why I say about technology. Good thing about technology is these these things are the information. It's hard to decipher what's true and not, but the information for the most part can be found um, mm-hmm. if, if you're interested in finding this stuff. But um, yeah, there's there's no doubt that that governments do very nefarious things in order to get things done and mm. and we're often the the afterthought the the people are are just a you know a, a a tool you know and and but yeah it's um i think that it's it's great that we are able to you know, part of the reason why we do this podcast is so we can talk to people and and keep our communications up. And when we speak to people face to face, or in this case, you know, through the computer screen, you know, we still have a we we can we can have a conversation and we can get to know someone who has a different perspective on things. And that's why we do it. We love doing that. And um, 
you know, your book, how many books do you have, by the way? Is it just the one that you've written? My first book. Okay. That's my first book. I've got 10 backed up as soon as I can get the money to do them to, uh, they're going to go one by one to Amazon. There you go. Yeah. Cool. You know, they say that confession is good for the soul. Here on the What Your Weird Story podcast, we're asking you, those friends of ours, some of you, others, we may not have heard your stories where you maybe squeaked by the law, or maybe you had a run-in with the man, or maybe you got away scot-free. We've all had some hijinks stories that uh, in the past that were maybe borderline criminal or fully criminal. <laughs> you have anything like that in your past, Bear? Uh, I plead the fifth. We welcome you all to come on to the What Your Weird Story podcast and share your stories. Don't plead the fifth anymore come out and share we will allow you to use an alias and uh, we can even change your voice if you like but we know there's some good stories out there and we'd love to hear them and laugh along with you because we've all had stupid youth moments when we were kids (laughs) i i wanted to ask you um there's a chapter in your book about Oklahoma, and that is where Barry and I are from. And uh, and Barry still lives in Oklahoma. I'm in Cincinnati, and I know. I mean, we'd really love to hear what that case was. Oh, okay. Uh, Nawada, Oklahoma. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will never forget it. I was sitting at my desk in Baltimore, and I got a phone call from a kid named Tony in Nawada, Oklahoma. He said. He said, Mr. Peters, I understand that you are out there doing stuff on Bigfoot. He said, we got something going on here, and I'd like for you to see it. And I said, tell me more about it. And he said, we can see them down in the woods. Wow. And around right below town, we can see them. So I said, okay. Uh, I got excited, and at that time, I was single. Jumped on an airplane, flew to, God knows, I went to um, Chicago, nightmare there, <laughs> and I landed, I don't even remember where I landed. Um, I got a rental car mm-hmm. and drove to Nuwata and found Tony, and we hung around his house until... Uh, it, was, it was dark, getting dark. So they took me down this dirt road and off to the off to a side road, and it was a spaceship. Wow! I'm not kidding you. I, I, but I don't know. It was a, all I could see was it was going up in the air. And I could see the bottom. I, I, I photographed the bottom of the thing as it, as it went. No noise. No mm. noise whatsoever. And I said, Jesus Christ. So <laughs> he's, Tony said, okay, now we got to go down the road here. And I said, I said, what, where? And he said, we're going to show you 
something else. So I went down the road to this huge field. There was a little dirt road that goes into the side of the field with woods on the left side. Mm -hmm. We sat there with the windows rolled down. Nobody was allowed to talk. We just sat there and listened. We listened. You could hear something walking through the woods. As they were walking, they got to the, the uh, there's a sort of a little barbed wire fence. They got to the fence, which was just maybe five feet off the road. Mm -hmm. And three of these big furry doodads walked out into the middle of this road. And they didn't go any further. And somebody, one of the kids in the back, and I never mentioned their names in the book because they were still juveniles. Mm. And I didn't get their parents' permission to even go out. <laughs> what would have happened, but they, uh, um, they all stood there looking back in the woods, and there was a fourth one that come along, and it had trouble getting across the fence, and finally it got across the fence and walked up to the other three, and they, four of them walked down toward the swamp. There was a swampy area off to, off to the right of the field. And it was walking with a lamp. And the moonlight was, the moon was up to where you could see the, you could see the figures, you could see their figures. Okay. But I, I wasn't going to take a chance on shooting them, taking a flash yeah. or anything. But we were so close to them we had the windows all rolled up, but we were close, probably less than 30, 40 feet away. Wow. But they didn't bother with the car. It was like, it was like nothing there. So the next morning, I, I stayed at Tony's house, and uh, we ate breakfast and talked about going crazy, and... Uh, what we'd seen and so he he told me about a woman just outside of Nawada that was a um, mind reader whatever okay. you know, one of those her name was Margie I never did get her last name never got her address I don't know I'll tell you when you get into some of this stuff that's you don't think about all the little small things like getting Tony's name and his address and his phone number and yeah and all that. Yeah. You know, you just don't think about that. Right. We talked to Margie. Margie she she was she was really good. She was a clairvoyant. And we were telling her about what we'd seen. And she said, I believe you. She looked me right in the eye and said, I believe everyone you say. He said there was a rancher the other day up at the store that said he had seen four of them going down through his field, and one of them was limping. Mm. Wow. Now, and, you know, you, you just, whoa. Yeah. But um, 
there's just so much, uh, you know, there's just so much going on out there. And uh, I go to these um, these Bigfoot conferences and I'm, I'm locked into the uh, Facebook with two or three of them. And mm -hmm. you've got so many doubters that, you know, they're going to doubt you when you tell them, you know. And I told them, I said, well, buy my book. It's 17 bucks in Amazon. And I told them how to get it. I don't, but there's 92,000 in that one group. There's 92,000 people that believe in Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's that's just one group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's so many more because people are kind of. People over the past, you know, 20, 30 years, really, people are opening themselves up to more what we used to be very outlandish ideas. Yeah. Where, you know, and, you know, where they want the, the stuff that, you know, we talk about here on the podcast, the stuff that people would never have talked about, but they're still sometimes still very hesitant about. Yeah. But, but we've gotten to the point to now where, more people will openly in public say, well, yeah, I saw a UFO or I saw something, you know, I don't know what it was, but it was this thing in the sky and it was a UFO or whatever, you know, or, yep. or you know, a lot of people like are, uh, I don't believe in ghosts, but, and they'll tell us an experience or, you know, seeing, yep. you know, these, you know, creatures being well, I'd, like... I'd, I'd, I'd... I, on the ghost thing, I I don't have any problem with that. I know I know they're there. In fact, in my home here, uh, in a spare bedroom, I got a guy living up there. Uh, <laughs> you know, he don't bother me. I don't bother him. My wife will go out before she got hurt. She had a fall, but but she would go out shopping, and I'd be sitting down here in my office, and it'd be dead quiet, and I could hear him walking around up there on the on the. From the bathroom to his room. Wow. You know, but uh, I tried to tell her that. And, <laughs> 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 right. My entire family, my entire family, all of them, I gave them a book. Not a damn one of them has read it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Kind of like our podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how do, you, how do I watch your podcast? Do I pay for it or what? No, no, no. it's free. Um, and it's on wherever you can listen to podcasts like iTunes or Spotify, or you can go to our website directly, and it will have, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be putting this out, and I'll let you know uh, when we do. And yeah, right. uh, free, and we've um, you can listen to all of our episodes there or wherever. Yeah, any basically any place that uh, carries podcasts, we are there. Yep. And um, yeah, but I'll send you a link uh, for sure, at least to the website. You, know, you can find it. Right, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Do you have uh, any any place where people can get in touch with you if they want to, you know, give you a shout or or uh, anything like that? And what about? Uh, like an email or something, or like Facebook. Uh, it is Lava Pet, L A V A P E T, 051 at com. Okay. Great. Cool. Well, cool. we'll, you know, that way people can get a hold of you. Um, well, we'll probably. 
But what we'll probably do is just we'll clip out the phone number part, I think, because we don't want people prank calling you if they, you know, I don't know. I don't think too many people that listen to our show would do that. But just in case. If they want to call call me, you know, it's. I got a little button I hit here and it <laughs> hangs up. Right. All right. <laughs> I love it. I but love you it. Never know, you never know when somebody of significance is going to call you. That's true. That's right. That's, That's true. right. That's right. But I've always, in, in my business, I always left my phone lines open. Yeah. All the time. That's great. That's great. Well, very good. Hey, Larry, thank you so much for coming on, man. We enjoyed this. Absolutely. We'll have to uh, we'll have to talk to you again sometime. Hear some of your uh, private eye stories. Uh, I got a bunch of them. That's that's great. Yeah, yeah. For for thirty five years in West Virginia and Virginia, I handled the murder cases and the defense on on defense of murder cases for thirty five years. Wow! Oh wow! Dang. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely gonna have. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. set up another time. Yeah, to, yeah, that'd be great to talk to you because that'd be uh, a whole other I world. I'll give you a load. Cool. Awesome. That'd be great. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Okay, All right. man. Touch, yeah, yeah. And we really appreciate it. But that's fantastic stories. Uh, you know, we love hearing those, and those were great. Well, I just if if some more people. Well, stop watching television about these guys doing this thumping and crapping yeah. and just go out and and just hang out. Mm-hmm. Just hang out. But one thing we did find out that was really significant when we were in the tent at Patapsco State Park. One night, uh, uh, Dennis and I were out there. Um, maybe it was Willard. I had a portable television. We were watching the, the World Series. We had a we had a viewing tent set up. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's open all the way around. Yeah. Had a TV in the middle of it. Had, it ran on batteries, and we had that thing turned up, and we was we were sitting there on our chair watching. And all of a sudden, the lights come down the trail. There was a trail from the place where we were parked to the lake up above. The red eyes come down, and it just, he was walking like this. Mm. You could see him going around back and forth. We sat there and never, never, we weren't drinking or anything and not smoking or nothing, but it walked up behind the tent, behind where we were sitting, and looked at the television. Wow. It just looked at the television. Wow. Never touched the tent. Never did anything. Just watched the TV for about five minutes. Wow. And turned around and sauntered on back up through there. Wow. That is a long encounter. Yeah. That's crazy. It was, and it, it wasn't in a hurry. Now, I'll tell you one more story. Okay. <clears throat> we were at there. We, we had a place there in Patapsco that the ranger let us park our vehicle and put up a tent. And uh, Dennis, Polich, Dennis Boatman and I were there. He was a guy I ran with. 
He's he just he's really mm. anyway. We were outside the tent. It was it was a Sunday. It was sunny out, really nice. And we got an odor, a really rancid, stinking odor. And we couldn't figure where it was coming from. And then we went over to this bush. We followed the odor over to the bush. And in the bush was, you could see all the way through it. It was clean all the way through it. Dennis walked around the other side of the bush. I walked around. We were looking through the bush. Nothing. But the odor. Wow. And then there was a word come out in the back of your head. It's time for you to go. Oh. <laughs> and we jumped in our car and got the hell out of there. Oh, man. But it was right there with us. With within touching distance. Of wow. It. Wow. That's amazing. You always, you hear about the odor sometimes. Yeah. You know, I, 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 there's been now that in Rome, Ohio, there was no odors out there. Yeah. There was no odor. I never smelled it or anything. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but, you hear uh, it, it's, it is strange. Cause that's the thing is like the people will discuss, will talk about the odor in some areas, like, you know, the skunk ape of uh, Florida. But, you, you know, and the, it's different in other, you know, like Pacific yeah. Northwest. You don't hear a lot of people saying so much about the odor. The odor is one of those things that it can or can't, or, you know, maybe it'll be there, maybe it won't. You know, it, it, it's, it it's only adds to the whole mystery of it. Uh, you know, maybe there's a group that are very um, more animalistic and they, you know, they don't really clean themselves very much, or maybe, you know, maybe some other of the groups or different types of, you know, Bigfoot type creatures are like uh, monkeys and, you know, where they preen and clean each other. And so they don't smell as much. Willard, Willard told me when I got into this, that there was 117 varieties of wow. creatures that's out there in our country. Wow. Dang. Now, here's the here's the big catch. The majority of the sightings are in national forest or state forest. Mm -hmm. So we somebody has to go to the Department of the Interior, shake these guys loose and say, we'd like to have under the Freedom of Information Act, we would like to have all the information you have on Bigfoot sightings and Bigfoot and all the national parks. Yeah. And if they come back and said it's not available to you, you got them right, Brother Joel. Right. Well, you know, the thing is with the national parks, and they basically govern themselves. And so yeah. they don't have to release information like that. Like, I know that, like, they don't have to, um, if a murder or a crime or uh, someone goes missing in a national park, they don't have to report it to the police. They do yeah. it themselves. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at that all. Makes sense. Yeah. 
and with the uh, with those being in a lot of the sightings being in national parks, uh, we had a guest on uh, earlier this year, um, and he has put together uh, what he calls it's the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Uh, and it's a website, BigfootMappingProject.com. I got that map. I got yeah. that map. And he's taught, and he shows, he's correlated, you know, he put in the data of uh, the sightings how, and how they run along where there's these huge migra- migration uh, trails uh, for animals and such. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It just, you know, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That's the science side of it. Yeah. When people, you know, put two and two together, you know, you can put these, you know, new technologies and ideas and sciences to this that only help, you know, structure, you know, help say, well, you know, I mean, there's science that backs it up. So. And the main thing is you, you don't don't ever try to shoot them. Yes. I, I made, I made, I, I told them when I was running down the road. I will never shoot at you again. Yeah. And and uh, I I think that's you know, but I would never I'd never put another gun on them. Now the only thing that's going to damage these things, I've I've done research for years. Nobody has ever put a laser beam on one of these things. Mm. And they saw the eyes. Mm. Nobody ever put a, a laser on. Yeah. And I don't know how that would react because the damn that, thing might come after you then. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but nobody, nobody's done that. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. nobody has done that. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, oh, thank, right. thanks again, Larry. We appreciate you coming on, All man. Right. We'll get together yep. with you soon again, man. Definitely. All right, very good, guys. All right, you take care and have a good night. I'm going to tune out. All right, man. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Hey, you know what we need? What's that? We need a new ad for our merch store. Our merch store. I've had a few people reach out to me and ask me, just how do we get What's Your Weird Story merch? Huh. How do we get that What's Your Weird Story merch? What's dash your, spelled Y-E-R, dash weird, dash story dot myspreadshop.com that's what's dash your spelled y-e-r dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com that's correct get in touch with us go buy some merch we got some cool stuff yeah dude and you know what if any of our listeners out there has some really cool ideas or has some really cool what's your weird story type art that they want to see on a t-shirt get a hold of us Maybe it'll happen. Awesome. Hey, Larry, thank you so much. Uh, so much again for telling those incredible stories. We love Bigfoot stories here. And that's the first time we had somebody who had witnessed. I believe it's the first time that we've had somebody who's witnessed uh, cattle mutilations. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I know we've talked... We've talked a little bit about the uh, skin Skinwalker Ranch yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but never got really in depth into what you know happens and stuff like that there. Yeah. But 
Yeah, for sure. That was great. Wild stuff. And he was like, yeah, very interesting. Guy's got a lot of uh, background, and he's he's uh, a pretty serious guy. And to hear stories come from a guy like him is is uh, you know there's there's truth in there. Yep, yep. And eighty three years young. Yep. And full of life. Yes. And uh, just you know just a great pleasure talking to Larry, and we hope to uh, talk to him again, get some more of his. Uh, stories from you know his PI days. Uh, oh that man, would be really cool as for well. sure. Absolutely, I'm I'm definitely curious about that. So, well, you, you know, Barry, the reason I uh, uh, brought up the swingers thing earlier is, did you know that um, the the pineapple is a symbol for for swingers? It's like I secret d- code. Yeah, I know that because on my TikTok feed, for some reason, I get all this swinger stuff, man. Well, and I think I, the reason's probably pretty obvious <laughs> there. <laughs> it's so wild, but yeah, I did. I learned that, man. So yeah, crazy. That, yeah, that is pretty crazy. It's. Uh, I remember one time when I was working in a uh, bookstore in Raleigh, and. Uh, uh, this woman came up to me and she was like, she and she there was a couple of people that were always there hanging out at the bookstores. They were regulars, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, there was this woman, uh, this very attractive woman, and uh, she was always there with her husband or boyfriend or something. Um, but she would always come up and ask if there was like a a. Uh, like a health and fitness section, and if they had, and uh, and then she would say something about the lifestyle. Uh, um, you always hear the lifestyle the too, lifestyle. man. That's what it used to be called. That's what the oh. code used to be. It was the lifestyle. Are you in the lifestyle? Oh, and if you understood, it yeah, yeah. I mean, that means she was fishing. You know, she was looking yeah. for people. Yeah. You know, to uh, have uh, to join in the, the recreations, I guess, but. Um, you know, I was, I had no idea what that was until about a year or two later, whenever I saw a, this documentary, um, called Docu- The Lifestyle. Documentary. No, 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 no quotes, <laughs> actual documentary. No, not, okay, not, all right. not, not, not educational film, but an actual <laughs> documentary. Okay. All right. The lifestyle. All right. And, uh, about, you know, swinging and swingers and stuff. And yeah. Okay. But, uh. How was yeah, that? Um, weird. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was interesting. <laughs> it's hardly um, ever any good-looking people, right? I mean, for well, the most you know, part. That's. I mean, that's all subjective, but you know. Right. Um, yeah. But I will tell you this: it's a lot. It was. It was full of a lot of um, older people than you would think. Oh yeah. Um, oh, there yeah. were people who were probably and of course now when I was watching this, I was in my early twenties. So yeah, it was right. people who are now our age. Our age, right. Um, or older, you know, in the fifties who were, you know, not necessarily in the greatest shape, but they were all having a good old time. Okay. And uh, they had a big old buffet. It was just like a regular barbecue, except uh, it wasn't a pork on the spit. Um, it was a whole other kind of spit and a whole, a whole other kind of porking going on. But, um, yeah, so very interesting, you know, very yeah. interesting uh, documentary just about, you know, I mean, the people talking about it. And, you know, there was this young guy and his uh, wife, and they were getting into it, you know, and he, he was always curious about it. And she was like, oh, all right, well, I'll go along with it. And, yep. You know, and then he, you know, 
she was an attractive young woman, so she, you know she was getting more attention than he was. Oh, of course. And yeah. so, but uh, I think they ended up splitting up after that, you know, because yeah. some people, you know, I mean, the people who can handle it, you know, uh, more power to you. You know, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Just yeah, like yeah, people yeah. Who can hey. do, you know, people who wanted who are involved in polyamory and all of that stuff. You know, if you could do it, nobody gets their feelings hurt and nobody gets, you know, your jealousness and all of that stuff. And everybody's copacetic, man. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, great. That's cool. Um, yeah, and if yeah. you do have that kind of lifestyle, maybe you want to, you know, share some of your stories for uh, what's your weird story after dark. Um, you know, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, that, that, we, we, we haven't had any of those stories. And so, uh, you know, that might be. A, spe- a very special episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see what we get out on that if we get uh, some. But yeah, no, it's uh, intriguing, man. You know, and, and then I was told that like the upside down pineapple means that there's actual party in progress or something oh, like that. I did not know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a whole well, and there's a whole bunch of like rules and stuff that happens, like a lot of consent that has has oh, to oh, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently I think if I were I recall correctly, um the pineapple comes from um back in the day when um the sailors would be out um they would um, pineapples were a this like pineapples were a, a thing that were a uh, they were a rare commodity. Okay. So people were hardly you know if you got one, you you know you, you wouldn't even, you would barely even eat it you know right. because it was a rich rare thing. Right. So uh, if this woman the sailor's wife if she was home and alone because they were alone quite often for a long periods of time right. they'd have friends you right. know men right. friends or lady friends come over right um, but if they put the pineapple out like in the window or, or outside or whatever to be seen that means that uh, the husband had come in with the tide and don't come sh- knocking on her door oh so yeah interesting well funny enough to to piggyback on that, there is uh, apparently that is a big thing in the military community uh-huh because oftentimes buddies are like we share buddies. everything <laughs> right so uh you know i i've just been told that so i don't know yeah. how true that yeah. is but uh very very interesting yeah yeah yep so yeah, if you got it, we, we we as as we've just demonstrated, we're all we're always interested in learning about other uh, subcultures, lifestyles, and yes. lifestyles, quote unquote, yes. And uh, you know, we're uh, just learning. We're always learning. We're always finding out randomest things. And uh, and you know, so if you've got any, you know, you got a stories. We know you guys got stories and. Whatever your stories are, we know that you've got some interesting ones of your own that you may not realize it, but they are. Um, because, you know, not everybody knows about cattle mutilations or Bigfoot or pineapple T-shirts on a sandy beach or whatever. <laughs> you know, UFOs, skies, and, uh, skies full of weird lights are... You know, knocking sounds from the uh, room upstairs. Again, that could go any way if you, you know, depending oh, yeah. on. Oh, you know. yeah. But oh, yeah. 
we want to hear your stories. We love talking to you guys. We love connecting with you out there in Weirdsville. And uh, if you're a new listener, uh, welcome aboard. We hope you uh, have found a nice little uh, cushion to settle into uh, for the ride. And, um, you know, uh, we we we're we're glad that you joined us, and for all of you weird villains, weird villains, weird villains who have been with us uh, all along, we appreciate you, uh, and we love you all just the same, just like my tell my cats. I love you both the same. Um, and don't pick in favorites. We you know as you're here <laughs> the whole time, we love you. So, but we do want to hear your stories, and you, you can get a hold of us through. Our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, also through uh, email, wywspod at gmail.com. And uh, we, yeah, we'll, we're looking forward. Let's get things going, man. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We're, um, for spring is going to be full, and uh, we want to get stuff locked out, locked down. Headed into uh, you know the summer and uh, all of that time, so let's get together. Uh, no pineapple required. <laughs> oh man, can't end any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm always always able to bring the weird, uh, <laughs> the awkward into the show. That's my job. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time uh, with Ashley, uh, who's got some awesome stories to as, to share as well as being a uh, in, a paranormal investigator. Uh, so join us next time on the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Until then, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.